sponsored by the National Retail Federation. Good morning, everyone. I'm Playbook co-author Ryan Lizza. It's Wednesday, January 17th, and here's what's driving the day. First, there are some developments this morning on bipartisan talks over the fate of the supplemental aid package for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan, which remains stalled over border security changes demanded by Republicans. President Biden is dramatically stepping up his involvement in these difficult negotiations, and he's called the top four congressional leaders to the White House to discuss the issue today. We're told that the meeting may focus mainly on the urgency of getting money to Ukraine rather than the nitty-gritty border details. Meanwhile, over in the Senate, while negotiators there haven't even reached a final border deal, some GOP Senate leaders are telling House Republicans they need to take whatever the chamber sends over, arguing that this is a unique opportunity that won't come again soon, even if Republicans take back the Senate. Senator John Thune of South Dakota the minority whip, tells R. Burgess Everett there's absolutely no way that we would get the kind of border policy that's been talked about right now with the Republican majority in the Senate. One source close to the talks told Playbook last night that the issue of parole continues to vex the talks, saying that while the White House has been trying to find a compromise on parole, it is proving difficult to find language that both preserves the current Biden parole programs and satisfies Republicans. Last night, the Senate cleared its first hurdle to advance the continuing resolution and prevent a partial government shutdown this weekend. Watch today to see if any GOP senators hold up the process. The CR faces a more uncertain future in the House, where Speaker Mike Johnson will need to rely on Democrats to pass the government funding bill if a shutdown is to be avoided. And finally, the Supreme Court will hear arguments today in a case that could overturn the 1984 precedent known as the Chevron deference. Joining me now to talk about that Supreme Court case and its potential impact is energy reporter Alex Guillen. Alex, this is a complicated issue for a lot of people, but extraordinarily important as your piece demonstrates. Let's start with the basics. What is the Supreme Court being asked to decide here and why is it such a big deal? So they're being asked to revisit a 40-year-old precedent set in 1984 that is called Chevron deference. And what it does is it describes what judges are supposed to do when they're faced with challenges to rulemakings or really any agency action. And what that case said was that if the statute is ambiguous about what an agency can or should do, then the judges should defer to the agency's legal interpretation so long as it's reasonable. So what that means is that the idea was that they were trying to give agencies the ability to use their technical and policy expertise, the kind of thing that judges typically lack, and and let them make the best sort of policy decisions and keep judges out of it. It's um, it's called Chevron deference because the case where the Supreme Court laid out this test was called Chevron versus Natural Resources Defense Council, and it was a, a legal battle over a Reagan-era environmental regulation. Alex, just break down the ideological debate. What do progressives have to say about this, and what do Federalist Society-type legal conservatives want out of this case? You know, it's sort of funny. Chevron deference came about because the D.C. Circuit was seen as being too activist in the liberal sense, and the Supreme Court was trying to rein it in. But over the past 40 years, things have shifted a bit. And now what's happened is that conservative 
legal thinkers have solidified around the idea that Chevron deference is a violation of the separation of powers because it's, they argue, it's handing the power to say what laws are over to the executive branch. So that's where conservatives have landed on it. it. It's it really there was a big shift on this that really took off during the Obama administration, a time when the executive branch was doing a lot of executive branch actions because Congress was not getting a lot done. That story obviously has continued a lot <laughs> over the past 10, 15 years. The people who support Chevron deference now, on, on typically on the liberal side, argue that it's uh, it doesn't violate separation of powers and that it's important because it allows agencies to apply their technical expertise and prevent judges from sort of inserting their own beliefs. And the supporters argue, and, and this is probably true, that if Chevron deference is restricted or overturned, there will be a future Republican president who is his agenda or her agenda will be stymied in some way if judges are more free to overturn their actions. So at the end of the day, how the Supreme Court decides this could change the balance of power between the administrative state and the federal courts. Is that correct? Yeah, this is the kind of case that really goes back to the checks and balances that we all learned about in elementary school civics classes. Um, uh, the idea is, yeah, you're looking at where's power in the federal government. And right now in, in the administrative terms, yeah, a lot of power is vested in the executive branch. Um, it looks like the Supreme Court is finally ready to do something about that, though. What is the betting among legal scholars about how the Supreme Court is going to come down in this case? They definitely look poised to either restrict or overturn Chevron in some way. I don't think anyone at this point is ready to say exactly what that might look like. But I think there are a few things to keep in mind. One is that this has been something that's been building for a while. And the justices have had a few opportunities before to address it, and they haven't. So a lot of observers do believe that the fact that they have now taken up this case and specifically limited the questions to whether or not Chevron should continue or be changed or overturned. Instead of diving into any of the details of the actual case itself, a lot of people do see that as a sign that the, the court's conservative majority is ready to act in some way. But it's not as simple necessarily as overturning Chevron because the lower courts are going to need some sort of guide, some sort of test to apply because the lower courts are the ones that decide 99, 98% of cases. The Supreme Court can't review every regulation the government puts out. So they're going to need some sort of test or guidance if, if the justices do this. What that looks like exactly is unknown, but it definitely appears to be headed toward a much less deferential position toward the agencies. Alex, thank you very much for breaking that down. Really appreciate it. Sure thing. Happy to be here. If your schedule today, the Senate and the House are in. The only thing on President Biden's schedule is that meeting with congressional leaders. I'm Ryan Lizza. Thanks for listening.